year. And again, let's go ahead and throw our purpose statement up on the board because this really is who we are as a church. So if, if you can read this with me before all of the, the stuff shorts out and we lose power, Lighthouse Community Church is committed to making disciples who love God, love one another, and love our neighbors. So our overarching purpose is to make disciples who can make other disciples. And this light bulb up here symbolizes our purpose. This symbolizes you and me. We were all called by God to shine light into the darkness. But a light bulb doesn't work if it's not first screwed into the socket. That is our abiding relationship with God, loving God. It also doesn't work if that filament breaks. That's the kind of life-on-life community that we have with one another. And ultimately, when those two things are in place, we begin to naturally radiate light into our spheres of influence, into the darkness. We are called to love our neighbors, not simply get into a holy huddle. We've been talking about this mainly as individuals. What does it mean to be light and all of that? But we also need to consider what does that mean for us as a church? Because we call ourselves Lighthouse, but do you ever stop and kind of consider, well, what does that name mean? And how does that actually play out here? Because if a lighthouse keeper, when we have a day like yesterday where the wind is blowing and the the rain is falling sideways... Uh, If the lighthouse keeper shuts up all the windows in order to protect the fragile light bulbs inside, then in that moment, the lighthouse ceases working the way it was designed to work and ceases doing what it was designed to do, namely to be a beacon of hope and direction in the darkness. And in the same way, if we run into this place to escape the world, forgetting the fact that we are created to be in the world but not of it, then we are not doing what we were created to do. And there's a story that is recorded in each of the four Gospels. Um, it's one of the few that every single Gospel really leans into. It's, it's a story about how Jesus and, and his disciples, they've been doing ministry, people have been showing up, there's a lot of excitement going on. There's also some really emotional stuff. Uh, Jesus' cousin John the Baptist has been murdered because he is willing to speak out. Um, And so there's a lot kind of they're carrying around with them on their shoulders. And Jesus says, guys, we need to take a break. Come with me. And he loads all of his disciples up in a boat and they begin to row towards a kind of a, a, a cove where they can spend some time alone, resting, reconnecting with God, just kind of sharing what's on their hearts. But the crowd see where Jesus is going And they decide, well, we want to be wherever he is. And so they start following him on foot and they actually get to the place where he he docks his boat before he does. So when they get off of the boat, they look around and there's crowds of people. And I love how Jesus, who was very intentional about the way he lived his life, he was busy, but he was always interruptible. And although he had planned to spend this time resting, he's interruptible enough to recognize that these are people without a shepherd and he has compassion on them. And so he changes, he switches gears and he spends the rest of that day teaching them and and speaking to them and healing, hurting people, healing the sick. And, And as the day progresses and the sun kind of passes its zenith and it begins to set, his disciples are getting a little bit antsy because there's a lot of people here and it's, it's getting late and it's kind of dinner time and, and they were expecting some rest time. And so they kind of lean up to Jesus and go, Hey, Hey, Jesus. You know, when you get a break, uh, it might be a good idea to tell the people to go home so they can eat, you know? And Jesus turns around and goes, no, you give them something to eat. And all the disciples are thinking, does he not realize how many people are out there right now? I mean, there's thousands of them. 
And then finally, one of them says what all of them are thinking. Jesus, there's a whole lot of people here. So many that if if we spent eight months worth of, of income, we would be able to barely give everybody a mouthful. And Jesus turns to him and says, well, what do you have? Go find out. So the disciples go off and they, they begin to look through their, their stuff. And then they, they ask around to the people that are kind of near them. And they come up with five loaves of bread. And we're talking about just flat bread. So it's not like a big loaf that you would get over at Ralph's. Um, and, and, or Vaughn's or, or Stater Brothers, wherever you happen to go, right? Um, so they, they have their five loaves and they have a couple of fish. And they go, well, this is what we got. Like, obviously not enough for these crowds. And Jesus goes, it's enough. Have everybody sit down. And then he takes that meager meager amount of of provision that they have. And he blesses it and he breaks it into pieces and he gives it back to his disciples. And they begin to pass it out to the crowds of people, over 5,000 people. And every single person is fed to the point where they are satiated. And then they go around and they begin to pick up the extra. And there's over 12 basketfuls of extra pieces from those five loaves of bread and a couple of fish. And here's my point in sharing that story. God will never ask us to give what we don't have. But if we are willing to allow him to use what little we do have in our hands to address the needs in front of us, he can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine, right? We see that there. We see it in our own lives. And the question that I really want to begin talking about today is how do we, what does this mean for our church? Specifically, what do we have in our hands and what does God want to do with it? Good morning, John. Glad you're here. So what do we have in our hands and what does God want to use it for to address the things in front of us? There's a few things that I want to highlight. We have, there are many of them, but there are three things in particular that I want to highlight. Number one, we have a facility. It's beautiful. It is, we own it outright. It is wonderful that we have this. It is about 71 years old at this point, And we are so grateful that we have it. Um, and because we have this facility, we get to be generous with how we use it. So for instance, throughout the week, Monday through Friday, from about 8 a.m. until about 2.30 p.m., we have over 100 children at a time across the street that we get to love on with our little lighthouse preschool. And this is a fabulous preschool. Both my boys were raised through it and were shaped by it. It is, unlike many of the other preschools in the area that are a 12 children to one, or 12 students to one teacher ratio, we hold a six student to one teacher ratio because at that age, being able to do life on life and really see what's going on in the kids' hearts is imperative. So it's fabulous. And the best part is it is actually less expensive than most of the preschools around here, which means that we get a lot of parents who would never think of bringing their kids to church on a Sunday, who entrust their children to us and we get to love on them. And because of that, we get to love on their families indirectly. And so that is what I would consider to be our single greatest, brightest light bulb kind of shining into the darkness, getting to to just uh, radiate in that community of young families in Costa Mesa. But that's not the only way that we're using our facility. We actually, over the last three years, have had three different church plants 
that have used this facility on either a Saturday evening or a Sunday afternoon to have their church, to begin doing church until they can somehow find a space on a Sunday morning where they can do church because that seems to be kind of the golden time where people are intending to go to church, which we have found as well. So that is always the goal, but we have, have been really just kind of like, hey, yeah, you can use our facility. And in fact, this Thursday, there is a network of, of home churches called Canopy that is going to begin using our family room across the street on one Thursday a month to have a gathering and a worship night for their community of churches. And you, and you might be thinking to yourself, wait a minute, isn't that like aiding the competition? To which I would say, absolutely not. Because remember, we're not in competition with any iteration of the church. In fact, we believe strongly that there's really only one church in Costa Mesa. Jesus is the head of it. We may meet in different places, but ultimately, we are never in competition. And if there's any way that we can support what God is doing there, we're in. I mean, I have been praying probably just as much this week for some of my brothers and sisters in ministry around our city as I have for our own church because there's a lot going on with them. And any way that we can support them, we're in. We also have a a number of other parachurch ministries that we get a chance to support. Can we throw those up on the board? And these are just a, a, a sampling of the other ministries that use our facility. Obviously, we have Little Lighthouse Preschool I've already talked to you about. We also have the Trellis Homeless Initiative. Trellis is an organization that kind of grew out of a prayer gathering of the church in Costa Mesa saying, how can we shine the light of Christ beyond the walls of our churches into the greatest needs that we have? Have, namely homelessness, getting to know our neighbors and um, immigration and things like that. How can we simply love one another? Oh, and, and education is the other one. How can we make sure that every third grader is reading at a third grade reading level? Because that seems to indicate whether or not that child is going to be successful in school. So trellis. They hold their homeless initiative meetings here on our campus often. We have Fresh Beginnings who who do mentor trainings. We obviously can't have a whole bunch of homeless people staying here because we've got a preschool. We have neighbors that wouldn't appreciate it and things like that. But what can we do? What's in our hand? We have a facility. We have a a, a ministry that is really, really good at training up people to come alongside the homeless. So, yes, use our facility. Continue to train people both within our church as well as beyond it. To go and love the hurting in our community. We have the homeless, or the Costa Mesa homeless solutions. Our city, our civic leaders come over here at least once a month to sit down and go, how can we care for our city? How can we come alongside the hurting? What, what can we do to do this? I also, um, about a year ago started gathering the lead pastors and doing a lunch. And often we will meet here, and, and we grew up from about six of us the first time to about 25 of us regularly now, just coming together and being together, supporting one another, worshiping with one another, and, and breaking bread because, again, we're not in competition. There's only one church. And then finally, again, this Thursday, the Canopy Network of Home Churches is going to be here using our facility across the street, um, worship nights. We also had the um, the chaplains from Hogue Hospital using the upper room. We've had Young, uh, young Life, both the junior high, high school, and all of the, the single moms who are trying to raise children and their teen moms, the, the Young Lives. All of those ministries have used our facility this year. Again, we want to be generous because God has entrusted it to our hands, and we're just kind of simply saying, God, it's yours. Use it as you see fit. So that's the first thing we have is our facility. Secondly, 
We have our finances, our resources that God has entrusted to us. I'm so grateful for the ways that you guys have faithfully given because it enables us to turn around and uh, allow much of that to trickle back into our community to shine beyond the walls of this place. And we actually have eight different missionaries that we support on a monthly basis. Here, here are those eight. We have Don and Jill Shannon, who for the last two years have been missionaries primarily to Lighthouse Community Church. Well, what does that mean? It means that they, Don really is, is, is only intended to be about 15 hours a week to our church. He quit his job so he could do it full time because he cares that much about what God is doing. And we have seen the fruit of it. And so his job and Jill's job is to connect with the parachurch ministries to get their finger on the pulse of what's going on in Costa Mesa and help facilitate us getting beyond the walls of this place. And that's why so much of what I was just able to go over has happened because of Don and Jill's investment. They're currently actually down in Costa Rica ministering alongside a couple of our partners down in Costa Rica, and they will be there for the next month or so. So they are continuing to both here and abroad to represent our church and continue to help open lines so that we can begin to pour more of ourselves into it. We have Orlando Sanchez, who runs Feed the Hungry once a month, second Saturday of the month over at Newport Mesa Church's parking lot. They give food to the needy in our community, and we have been both financially supporting as well as having a lot of us go and participate in those feedings once a month. We have John Began, who is with the Trellises Homeless Initiative. He's part of our church. John is both on staff with the city meaning that he helps them figure out how to care for the homeless, but he's also the one coming alongside people on the streets through the lots ministry, life on the streets, and through other things, just saying, how can we give dignity back to our hurting brothers and sisters in our city? So we support him and his wife. We also have Bill and Kathy Nelson with Fresh Beginnings, again, mentoring and training up people within the church to go and be the church beyond the walls and to come alongside hurting people. Then stuff that's more a a little bit less local. Jamie and Gretchen Pappas are with Campus Crusade for Christ up uh, up north. So we, yeah, Santa Cruz. Yeah. So we, uh, Cal Poly, Santa Cruz. So we have been, thank you. That's why, that's why I have my, my moms in the audience because I need Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. So they have been mentoring and ministering up there and God, I mean, to hear the fruit that is being produced by their ministry up there. We're really grateful that we have been able to for over a decade pour into them and help support them. Down in Mexico and Tijuana, we have Pastor Cuco with Project Light Tijuana. At least once or twice a year, sometimes three times, we have a team that goes down there. But he is on the ground loving that community in Tijuana, being a chaplain to and a pastor to a men's rehabilitation center that tremendous fruit is coming out of. So we financially support him. We have Craig and Sarah Marshall with Wycliffe Bible Translators. They are, they are making sure that everybody on the planet has, a, has God's word in their own language. And then Marty Hooper, our buddy with International Evangelism Ministry. He looks like Santa Claus and he loves Jesus. And he is all, we don't know, where in the world is Marty Hooper? It's kind of like the Carmen Sandiego song, right? Where is Marty? He is somewhere on the planet loving people and leading them to Jesus. He is a born evangelist. And so these are a handful of the missionaries that on a monthly basis we get to support. And this last year, we gave 12% of our income away to missions specifically to support those who are doing ministry on the front lines. On top of that, 
We got to be very generous with our facility and letting lots of parachurch ministries like I've just told you about use our facility free of charge because God has entrusted it to us, but it's not just for our benefit. Say, God, help yourself to what you've given us so that we can then fan the flames of whatever you want to do. That's our heart. He's been generous to us. We want to be generous right back because we cannot outgive God. The third thing we have in our hands that I want to focus on this morning is you. You are and will continue to be our greatest resource. And we want to look for ways that we can invest in, equip you so that you can do what God has called you to do. Because I, and then I'm kind of going to give you a little hint of where we're headed this year. It is our ardent belief that you are all ministers. And God is calling all of you to give what he has entrusted to you, to allow him to use that to do what he wants to do in and through you in your spheres of influence. It's our job to help you get there. And that's what we're going to focus on this year. And so toward that end, I want you to now pull out this vision packet. And, and let me just say this. what All of these materials that you were given today... I'm grateful to my friend Brenda, who hates the fact that I'm even pointing her out, and Reveille Marketing, because they have actually put all of these together. They have become our marketing department who does all of these graphics and makes everything look like it wasn't done by a pastor cutting and pasting stuff he found on Google. So thank you to Brenda and their team for all of that. Okay, so let's go to the first inside page here, the part where it says loving God. We've just finished Vision Month. Today is Vision Sunday. Beginning next Sunday, we are going to begin a new journey together called Life on Purpose, discerning God's direction for your life. Because we recognize that Jesus has invited us to follow him, not just for an hour and a half on a Sunday and maybe five or ten minutes few times a week. He has invited us to follow him 24-7. He wants to be the Lord of all of our lives, which means... That includes what we do for work. That includes what we do to spend the rest of our weeks. From Monday through Saturday, he is just as much our Lord as he is on Sunday. So what do we do with that? And how do we begin to live our lives between Monday and Saturday intentionally for him? That's what we're going to be talking about up until about Easter. And then there's some other things there. Um, Secondly... We are committed to helping you get connected into a life group or some form of community because we are convinced that we were not created to try to navigate through life and follow him on our own. At Christmas, somebody gave my son a rock tumbler. You guys ever seen one of those things? It's just a barrel that just keeps spinning. And you take these rocks that are pretty grimy and grungy and and dented and and really sharp edges. And you throw them all in there. And then you put some grit, some sand, and some water in there. You just toss it in and you turn it on and it spins. And you leave it alone for a really long time and forget it's even there. And then when you go and open it up, maybe a week or two later, all of those rocks have been polished. They've been radically transformed simply by bumping into one another and knocking up against one another, kind of smoothing off the rough edges, polishing one another. That is a beautiful picture of what we do when we do life on life. Yes, iron sharpens iron, and sometimes it creates sparks. Sometimes it's uncomfortable to come out of hiding and be known, but we were created to do life in community because it's that life on life that God uses to shape us and mold us and refine us and polish us so that we can shine ever more brightly beyond the walls of this place. Make sense? 
So we are committed to helping you get into community. For our young ones, it's being in junior high or, or high school youth group on Wednesday nights. That's how they do community. For the vast majority of us, that's getting into a life group. And if you're not in one, all you need to do is grab the connection card that's in the seat back in front of you and check, I want to get in a life group and give us some way to contact you. And Pastor Jeff will make sure you get plugged in. And then for others of you, you're saying, yeah, I'm in a life group, but I really want to go deep with other people. I want to be known by a few others in accountability. I want to grow deeper by, by being spurred on by just a couple of other people of the same gender with me. If that's the case, we have something called D groups that I'm not going to go into today. But if you're interested in knowing how to find one or how to start one, what that looks like, just indicate on your connection card. I'm interested in D groups and I will contact you and I'll tell you all about it and give you some tools so that you can actually start one. So that's that. Then, then turn over your page to the next side because we are called to be connected to God and grow in our relationship with him in relationship with one another so that we can ultimately shine beyond the walls of this place. But how do we start doing that? How do I go from being in this holy huddle and being safe to begin serving? That's scary. And for many of us, we get stuck just kind of sitting back and watching the professionals who do it uh, and cheering them on rather than us participating. How do we take that step and move towards the people in our lives? Well, we're, we're doing something this year that will help us take a massive step toward living that out. And we're calling it the missional pathway. It's a series of four conversations over four different weekends that will help you awaken to what God has been doing in your life, how he's already been shaping you, the kind of values he's birthed into your heart and what he is specifically calling you to use in your hands to do what he wants to do. Kind of get a clear idea of your calling. And then from that, we'll do the same with our church. But you don't need to take my word for it because this last Friday and Saturday, just the last couple of days, we've had 30 of our leaders in our church being trained in this, getting kind of a a lightning fast overview of the first two steps so that they can come alongside you when we sit around tables and begin to do this beginning in March. And I'm going to invite one of them, Patty Blood, to come up here and share briefly about how... um, God has already borne fruit out of that conversation. So everybody make Patty feel welcome. And why don't you tell us uh, briefly. Is this on? I believe it is. Hello? Hello? Hey. Okay, microphones. I always think of microphones as, Luke, I am your father. That's right. That's what you think you're going to say. Totally. Right? Okay. So my husband and I, Dan, went through Friday and Saturday. Mm -hmm. And, um, so somebody had asked me, what do you want? Well, actually it was in our life group. Mm-hmm. What do you want for the year 2019? What, what do you want that to look like? And for me, I, I want more boldness in my life, boldness to pray for others, boldness to, to go where God's calling me to go. And believe me, I wouldn't be up here today, but I asked for boldness. Eric asked me to speak. So here I am. Here I am. So as we went through this, fabulous two days of training it was Friday night, Saturday. And, um, and it was just so deep. I mean, I, mm-hmm. you just really had to kind of really look at your life and from childhood, you know, until now and things that you wouldn't have even thought about until somebody called you to look at that. And so, but part of the challenge was to say, okay, God, you know, what do you, what do you want me to do with mm-hmm. this material? What, what should I do? 
So um, this material being what he's already worked into you, yes, what's in your hands. Yes. So um, they asked us to write down a couple things, what we would like to do, you know, what God show me, challenge me. What, what would you have me do with this? Mm-hmm. So we had a, a point of time where we were supposed to write something down. Okay, two things down. Mm-hmm. So I, I wrote down this one person who kind of has been, he's, he has ALS and he's not allowed us to pray for him. Um, he'll like, yeah, that's, that's cool. You know, you guys, you know, you can pray for me, but he would let us come see him and pray for him. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know what? I'm a, we're going to go see him today after this, this today. And so I called his wife and she goes, well, I'm working and you know, yeah, go see him. That'd be great. Cause she's a believer. Yeah. Go pray for him. And then he wasn't answering, wasn't answering. So I said, well, give me his number. I'm going to call him, you know? And so I left a message and then, um, he kind of joked about it. He goes, well, you know, yeah, if you think God's calling, yeah, come on over. It's cool. You can come. So, um, so right afterwards, um, Dan and I went straight from the class over there and we heard, you know, how he's suffering, what he's going through. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I just, I just saw that this, he just melted. We laid hands on him. He just shared everything he's going through. We prayed with him and it was just, it was just so amazing how, you know, because we asked, we asked, you know, and we all know somebody, we all know a neighbor, a friend or a family member that, you know, God might be telling you about right this moment that you need to go and persevere and, and because he kept turning us away, but we pushed a little bit. And even Dan, I mean, he had the luxury of playing professional baseball. So he sent an email right off and said, I want to be part of fellowship of Christian athletes and God stretched him. And, um, it's just the coolest thing ever. You guys, honestly, your neighbors, your friends, you need to be part of this because God is speaking to all of us. He can use each and every one of us. And uh, whether it be a family member, a neighbor, you know, you ask and God's going God's gonna to absolutely use you. Awesome. Thank you, Patty. Yeah. Thanks so much. I'm, I'm, the, the whole point of the missional pathway is to help you give, an, give you an on-ramp to joining God in what he's already doing and saying, okay, here I am. Help yourself to my life and opening your eyes to the opportunities right in front of you. And I'm really grateful uh, for all of you that were willing to go through this. And I'm really excited to be able to now open this up to the rest of you and say, this is where we're going this year. This is going to be the big rock for our year. Please don't miss it. On your sheets there is a little bit of a, a more of an overview explanation of what this is about, as well as the dates. Before you think you have to go to six of them, we are offering the first two steps, awaken and activate twice, because we know that those dates won't work for everybody. So some of you will be able to make the first round. Some of you will be able to make the, the second round. If we have to add a third round, doggone it. We'll do that because we want to make sure that all of you have that opportunity to do it. It will pay dividends, not just within our church, but even more so beyond it. We're already starting to see that. Okay. Uh, Because here's the point. Here's the point of all of this. A lot of us or a lot of people will approach church kind of like 
kind of like a cruise ship. And some of you have heard this analogy before. It's the one that really resonates for me. I love cruise ships. Don't get me wrong. I love them. My wife and I try to go on a cruise every couple of years when our kids aren't crazy and don't like desperately need us to be there every moment of the day. Sometimes we need to go because we have kids and we just need, you know, to remember that we love one another too. Uh, But the reason I love cruise ships is because they will give us, give me as much food as I want of any type. They will entertain us. There's lots of different options there. And they will also wait on us hand and foot. And all they ask of me is for me to throw a little bit of coin in the till to make it continue to go, right? That's it. That's all that's required of me. I love cruises, but can you imagine for a moment if I lived my life on a cruise ship? I would very quickly begin to think that the world revolves around me and I would, I would grow very, very lethargic and flabby, Right? That's just going to be a natural outcome of having all of these options and not ever being anything being expected of me. But a lot of people approach church in the same way. I want to find a place that feeds me exactly what I like. I like the message. I like the way they talk. I, I, I want to find a church that entertains me. I like the worship. I like, you know, that, that's, that's my kind of style. It's not too loud or it's not too soft. Uh, it's my kind of rock or it's my kind of old school, you know, hymns and all those kind of things, whatever it happens to be. And, and I want to make sure that this church, whatever church we choose to go to, is going to have every single ministry that I could possibly meet, need for me and my family so that we don't really, nothing else is expected of us. They'd go ahead and raise my kids spiritually. All I need to do is show up and every once in a while I'll throw some money in the till to make things go, right? The problem is, if we approach church in that way, what is going to be the, the natural outcome? will very quickly begin to think that this is all about us. What am I getting out of this? Secondly, we will naturally begin to grow spiritually flabby. We don't want that. Other churches operate a bit more like a clipper ship. Now, a clipper ship is very different from a cruise ship because you don't, it's not nearly the same size as a cruise ship because quite honestly, you don't need as much space for entertainment or as much space for deck chairs for people to hang out on and watch the crew members do their work. Because the reality is on a clipper ship, they don't carry passengers. Every single person on a clipper ship is a crew member. And every single person on that clipper ship has a role in helping the clipper ship do whatever it was commissioned to do. From the captain on down to the newest, greenest deckhand, all of them are pulling in the same direction to help that clipper ship do what it was commissioned to do. Using that analogy, churches that operate like clipper ships don't have to be quite as large and programmatic because, quite honestly, you're not trying to give something for everybody at every single stage. You, you simply focus on the main thing, and, and our main thing is making disciples who are growing in their relationship with God in community with one another so that we can serve beyond the walls of this place and shine in our neighborhoods and in our spheres of influence. So, yes, do, do people on clipper ships still get fed? Absolutely. Do people on clipper ships still get entertained? Yeah, they entertain themselves they, they, as they do life together. Do people on clipper ships have purpose? You better believe it. And that's the biggest difference. And I don't think that takes, you know, a whole lot of thought for you to figure out the type of ship we want to be as a church. We want to be a clipper ship. We want to help every single one of you 
find your place in this because quite honestly, we don't want to have deck chairs where you sit back and just watch. We don't want to just carry passengers who think that all is required of you is throwing some money in the till and watching all the professional Christians go and rep Jesus. That's not what we're about. We want to equip you to be part of the crew and to do what God has commissioned us to do, namely to make disciples who are growing in their relationship with God, with one another, and shining and loving their neighbors. Making sense here? Have I beaten that horse enough? Okay. So the question I have for you this morning is, are you in? Are you, are you willing to get up out of your deck chair and join us as a member of our crew. Now, before you say yes, Jesus was very clear, count the cost before you commit to something because you don't want to be the kind of person who says, yay, I'm in. Oh, wait a minute. This is actually going to require something of me. I'm out, you know? Football's coming up. Let's go. So before we, before you say yes, let me briefly outline what the cost is, what it requires of you to be part of this crew. Number one, we're asking you to continue to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. By the way, if you want to follow along, you want to read what these are on the next page of your book, the one that has uh, the cruise ship mentality and the clipper ship mentality there. I'm just going to read these, these different, these three things. Number one, are you willing to continue to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ? Because at the end of the day, all of us need to take our faith seriously. It's not just about showing up and being fed for an hour and a half on a Sunday morning. Are you willing to invest in pursuing Jesus? Are you willing to carve out space in your life to spend time in his word and read it on your own? Are you willing to practice prayer? Yes, it might feel awkward, but are you willing to do so? Are you willing to pursue him? And I I understand you may not even fully understand what that is. And part of our job is to help equip you to know that. But are you willing to pursue Jesus? Secondly, are you willing to get connected into community? You may not currently be in a life group. You may not currently be known. You might just slip in and slip out on one or two Sundays a month. Are you willing to be connected into community? If so... We will help you find community so that you can do life on life, so that you can grow. Because that is the best thing that we have to offer. Far better than a Sunday, far better than any message I can give, far better than our worship, is to do life with a a handful of other people who are committed to following Jesus as well. It's the best thing we have to offer. And if if you're missing that, you're missing out. And then thirdly, are you willing to invest yourself, to bring what God has entrusted into your hands and saying, God, here I am. Use it. Part of that is financially supporting our church in the endeavors that God has given us. And I want to tell you up front, this is the least, my least favorite subject to talk about in this church. I avoid it like the plague so much so that people are like, are you ever going to do a message on giving? Like Jesus talked about it a lot. And I'm like, I've honestly seen so much of the damage that has been done by pastors who send a fixate on it that I have avoided it sometimes to all of our detriment. And I apologize for that. But Jesus recognized that where our treasure is, where our treasure goes, our heart tends to follow. It's attached to it. So we, we can't ignore it completely. Are you willing to financially give to our church. And I am not asking you for a specific amount. Let me show you my favorite two offerings that we got this year. Bar none. Number one is this. 
It is a bag full of pennies and nickels. I love this so much that when it came in, I said, no, that's too much of a treasure for it to just go into our giving. And I took it and I have it in my desk. And every time I open my drawer, I am reminded that we have people in our church who may not have a lot, but they bring themselves and they give of themselves. So thank you, even in the little, because it's not about how much it's about your heart. My other favorite one is this. This is a celebrate recovery 12-year sobriety coin. Now, understand, I know who gave this, and I know this was not given because they broke their sobriety and then had to give it up, okay? This was a celebration of 12 years of being released from captivity to alcohol, and they were saying, this church community has walked with me and helped me stay strong, and I just wanted to share with you my gratefulness for what God has done in and through the community who walks with me and holds me up. That's why I love these two things. So hear me when I say, I don't want to talk to you or care about a percentage. If you have given nothing, then start with 1% and just see what God does. Because this is the one thing in scripture that God actually encourages us to test him in. He says, give, test me in this and see if I don't Bless you above and beyond. And I, have, I am convinced that we can't outgive God. So if you're in, I'm asking you to financially support the church. What you give is between you and God. But just start somewhere. And I'm not just talking about once. I'm talking about a regular posture of, of giving. Because where your heart is, or where your treasure goes, there your heart goes as well. And I want to make sure you're in. Secondly, you know, one more thing on this. I know I'm beating the dead horse, but one more thing. If I had to, as a pastor, choose between a small handful of people who gave large amounts and we had every, every penny that we needed to do whatever it is we felt like we do, or everybody gave and it was very small amounts and we only had a little bit, I would choose this every time. Because at the end of the day, it's not about the amount. It's about knowing that you're with us, that we're pulling in the same direction, and that we are all committed. Secondly, and equally as important, if not more so, is are you willing to invest your life, your time, your talent, saying, God, here's what you've entrusted to me. I offer it back to you. How do you want to use it? And that might mean serving here within Lighthouse, but it, it might even more so mean serving beyond the walls of here. And that doesn't matter where. Hear me when I say, I don't just need all of you to serve here. We actually need to be serving beyond the walls of this place, in our schools, in our workplaces, calling up the people in our spheres of influence who have Lou Gehrig's disease or ALS and saying, hey, I know that we've offered and you just say, ah, but we really feel led. We love you and we're, we're coming over. All right. And we, we would love to pray for you. That kind of stuff. It's just saying, God, help yourself to my life. Are you willing to allow God to use what he's entrusted to you to do and address the things in front of you? Because if you are, he will and continue to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. I am convinced of it because I've seen it over and over and over. All right. So now I ask you again, knowing what it costs to say yes to being a part of this crew Pulling in the same direction, are you willing to get up out of your deck chair and join us in what God has commissioned us to do, namely to make disciples who love God, love one another, and love our neighbor? If the answer is yes, then what I'm about to talk about has a lot of bearing on you because you are going to have the opportunity this morning to vote yay or nay. We, as a church, 
have several things that we vote on. We vote on our budget. We vote on our leadership, namely our elder board. Um, We vote on major changes and major things with finances and, and any changes to our bylaws. All of those things are what we as a church body, what we as crew members get a chance to vote on. And today we're going to vote on two of them. Number one, we're going to vote on our budget. Number two, we're going to vote on elder nominees. Let's go with budget first. I see Darlene coming forward, so I would imagine she's going to have some questions. Excellent. I love you, baby. Go ahead and turn your page over to the, to the really exciting stuff that we always never talk about at church. The budget. This is our budget for 2019. What we've included in that, by the way, is our budget from 2018 and what we actually spent. We go, we, we, in every way that we can, we try to be completely and utterly transparent. So there is all the money that we, we thought we needed, what we actually brought in and what we spent. So let's go over. We're not going to go fine tooth comb on this because quite honestly, there's a football game coming up. But I do want to address a couple of the things that you may have a question about because, you know, others have had a question about it who have looked over it. it. This is broken down. It begins with our leadership expenses, pastoral salaries, and, and you know, all of those kind of things, and the office and stuff like that. Then we get into our ministry expenses later. Let's just focus on one thing in our leadership expenses, and that's our pastoral and staff salaries. Last year, we anticipated, we budgeted, this is 101, so if you're following along, we're going to be on line 101. Last year, we budgeted $279,000 for our salaries, but we spent almost $10,000 more, about $289,000. Eric, what gives? At the beginning of the year, we didn't realize how God was going to bless us with a lot of young adults that we could pour into. We prayed for it, but when they came... One of the ways we responded this year was to add three interns who are paid nominally, certainly not nearly as much as they're worth, but they are paid uh, on a biweekly basis, which means that accounts for about $10,000 to our budgets line. I can promise you it is money well spent because not only is the value of what we're getting, but if we are about making disciples, one of the best ways to do that is to invite people to walk alongside us and train them up because they're going to be the leaders of the future, whether here at this church or somewhere else. And it is well worth investing in. And so that's why we blew our budget on that. And moving into this next year, we are, we are looking to up even above what we spent last year by about $6,000. Part of that is staff raises. Another part of that is just having a little bit more breathing room in case we want to bring on another intern. Everything else pretty much followed pretty well, and we're staying relatively close on that. The only other thing that you might be interested in is, well, why are our retirements and pensions so high? Part of that is because as it's an accounting thing. If I were to take, say, $10,000 of my, my income and stream it towards retirement because it's expensive to live around here and you need to you know, be preparing for the future, that is accounted for here. So a large portion of what we have accounted for retirement is actually staff allocated, um, you know, their income that has been allocated for retirement, and, and it just shows up there. That's why it was a little bit higher, which is why this year we've said, okay, well, we know that that's how the accounting works, so we'll adjust accordingly. Let's go ahead and go down to ministry expenses. At the very bottom of your page, 317, Costa Rica missions. We last year budgeted $2,000 and we spent 15000 You guys stink at budgeting. No, in fact, what happened is the year before, 
our entire Costa Rica missions team was raising and putting money into the, the account in preparation to go. And then our budget ended and budget began. And then they went and spent all of that money they'd been saving the year before. So, in fact, we, were, we did spend about $2,000 over and above what they brought in. But that $15,000 is, in a lot of ways, uh, money that had been raised the previous year. So that is just part of the problem of having an annual budget. Let's move on. Let's go to the next page. Again, I may be missing something that you have a question about. I'd be happy to answer it in a few minutes. I just want to hit the high points here. On the next page, go to 510, Adult Ministries. This is our life groups. This is our gatherings. This is all of the stuff we do together. We budgeted $5,500, and we spent about $9,000. Wow, yet again, you guys overshot. No. Yet again, God did immeasurably more than we could imagine because we began the year with about four young adults gathering regularly. By the end of this year, we had, what, about 20, 25 young adults regularly coming on every other Monday night. What we have found with young adults is if you feed them, they will come. (laughs) So about $3,500 was spent on providing a meal, sometimes the only non-top ramen meal that many of them will have. So this is a part of Jeff's ministry and loving on them is being generous with feeding them. And they continue to multiply. So we may even need to up this. But this year, our young adults got their own line item. They have become 5'11". And we've broken that out. So now they do have about $3,500. So, you know, go Taco Bell. Go, woo. Go crazy. But So that's what that is. That's why we over blew the budget on that. Let's go ahead and jump down to the 700s. There are two new line items that we did not have in our budget last year. One is 713 janitorial supplies. And 721 is utilities. I was not aware of the fact that our preschool was paying for all of the utilities for the church and all of the janitorial supplies for the church completely, holistically. That's a problem when it comes to budgeting. It didn't used to be because they're here five days a week. They use the majority of all of the stuff. So, you know, it made sense. But now that we are beginning to use this facility far more throughout the week for other ministries, many of which we're just kind of generously saying, use it. Yes, you know, you, you know, Hogue Hospital, chaplains, you want to use the room? Go for it. You know, Trellis, you want to use it for a training? Absolutely. City of Costa Mesa, you want to use it for a gathering? Absolutely. And we're being generous with this, but it felt disingenuous to be generous with somebody else's budget. So this year, we decided we are going to take 50% of the cost of both utilities as well as the janitorial supplies, which you see reflected there. We began four months ago because that's when their budget began, Um, but we are going to continue. So that's why we've allocated about $7,500 total between the two of them to cover our share of that. Make sense? All right. So what's the bottom line here, Eric? And again, I may be missing something in this, but here's the bottom line. Last year, we had a total budgeted expense of $496,000, and we actually blew past that by about $25,000. We actually spent about $521,000. This year, we're only looking to raise above what we spent last year by about $2,000. We've made some cuts in some areas. We've added some other things in other areas, but that's what we anticipate spending this year. Let's look at our income, which is the orange line and below. 
Last year, we budgeted bringing in $425,000 in tithes and offering. We also anticipated having about $75,000 coming in through lease. Part of that is the Little Lighthouse kind of helping cost share. Some of what they bring in for Little Lighthouse supports the facility. Um, A large portion of that, though, was we had those two churches. And although we charged them a nominal fee, like $2,000 a month to be able to use our facility, which is very little, it still adds up over the course of the year to be another $25,000, $24,000. We celebrated when they were able to get their own facility on, on a Sunday morning, but that means that we no longer have that regular income coming in. So that means that we can't expect it. Now, will another church come in and begin using that? Possibly, but we're not going to bank on it. So, Last year, we went from, we only actually end up, ended up bringing in $67,000 from rents, which was below what we thought. But here's the crazy part. We had already bumped up what we were hoping for tithes and offering, and you actually gave about $27,000 more than we budgeted. Thank you for your generosity. That's in part because God has added to our number those who are a part of our church and have been giving as well. And so we have more people who are attending church regularly and, it seems, who are giving regularly. Well, what does that mean for this next year, though, since we can't expect uh, to bring in you know, $75,000 in leases and rents? That means that we need to actually bump up. Even though our, our budget isn't necessarily going up, our expenses aren't necessarily going up all that much, we still need to raise a little bit more of our tithes and offering dependents and, and given that God has, has blessed us with so many of you, I'm hoping, I'm praying, I'm expecting that we will be able to hit this or even surpass it. So this year we're going from the five or the 452,000 that you gave last year, we're jumping that by about $16,000. This is what it means on a weekly basis, just for those of you who like math. Last year, every week that we met, the offering was roughly $8,600 a week. This year, we are hoping, praying, that we will bring in about $9,000 a week. And that will cover our expenses as we understand them for 2019. Again, if this is your first time in church, I'm both sorry but not sorry that you're here. Because this is just, this is business meeting, right? This is a, we're, we're having a family meeting. And now you get to see how this stuff works. That, last thing I'll point out is our assets. Just so you know what we got in the bank. I learned this from my predecessor, Lee Harrison, who was very, very good at this. You don't ever want to be hand-to-mouth. What comes in goes right back out immediately because that puts your family, that puts your church community in danger. So you want to make sure that you have, at minimum, three months of operating capital. And when you add in a a preschool that has a, a... an annual budget of about $500,000, and you have the church that has an annual budget of just over $500,000, now suddenly we have a million-dollar enterprise, and it costs us about $80,000 a month for both of those ministries to continue operating, which means that we need to have about $300,000 in the bank just to make sure if something were to happen, we are okay. Well, what do we have? We began 2018 with $292,000 in the bank and then a CD with with CDF uh, capital of $51,000 because we're having some of that money that we don't need to touch right now working for us and we're actually getting a little bit of interest on it. At the end of the year, between the bucket for the preschool and the bucket for the church, we ended the year 298000 so roughly $6,000 more than we began it at, and our CD went up by about 1000 So 
God has been so stinking good to us, and I'm grateful for your participation in this because God has really been faithful. I, at the end of last year, I started getting inundated with different organizations that I'm a part of saying, help us get to our goal so that we're not in the red. And I'm just thinking, I totally don't need to do this. This is such a wonderful place. God, you have been so ridiculously good to us. So thank you. Uh, before we move on, are there any outstanding questions for you that you would not in good conscience be able to vote yay or nay on this without having that question answered right now on our budget? I think pastors should make more than they do. Yeah, we're good. We're fine. God has been good to us. He blesses us in many, many ways. I love you, Darlene. Yeah. I try to not go the David route and count. Um, because that didn't work out so well for the Israelites. But um, I, I would say, Jeff, what do you think? I mean, you you, you know this better than I. So so 200 to 215 on a regular weekend, sometimes as high as 250. Um, I, w- I can say this. Last year, we had 10 rows in here. This year, we have 14 rows in here. There are some of you who won't ever sit here because it's like the nosebleed center. It's like the, 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 the front row at the movie theater and you're doing this. But we have shoved a lot more seats in here and we are finding that we're a lot more full than we have been, which is a good problem to have. Um, so God, that would be our best guess. But we also know this. There's a lot of people who don't come to church every Sunday. In fact, it's becoming precipitously more like people are only coming a couple of times a month. So when we talk about having 250 people on a weekend, we're actually looking more like 450 people who call our church home, if not more. Yeah. Simple question. I know it's a line item, so it pays for 10 stuff. I'm assuming it was a one-time property assessment line 618. Thank you. Okay. So here's what happened on the property section. That was 618, you said? Yes. The property assessment. We are a nonprofit, so we have to pay some taxes, but not very many for our property. But when we sold the 15 feet of this uh, gravel over here that the kids love to throw, which we were happy to see go, that 15 feet, when we sold that to the developer who put those two homes up, it actually spun our, our, that section of our property out of tax-free status. It was a mistake, one that Robin has rectified, but we had to pay the taxes on it prior to so that we wouldn't be penalized even though it was their mistake now we've gotten that fixed and that money will come back to us and go back into our account we're just waiting for it but that's why it's in there because the end of last year that's what we had spent for property taxes thank you great question yeah That's a great question. We probably have double the amount with little lighthouses. We do lighthouses. So I would say about 30 people total between the two. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That would include us. Yes. No, that is not the preschool salary amount. That is just our staff salary. Thank you for that clarification. So what you see on salaries is only for our staff of about 10 people. Uh, plus our interns. And then the preschool has another budget of about $500,000. But since they're on a, a, a school year thing, we've already kind of worked through that with the, the elders and, and so whatnot. If you'd like to see that budget, I'd be happy to show you that one too. Ten people plus two interns? Three interns, yes. Yeah. Uh, so the fees of the development fund is doubling, so 
So no, the reason why it shows that is because somebody actually anonymously gave to our benevolence fund. That money went in, so it depresses it. We actually gave more like $10,000 away in benevolence this year. It's not shown simply because of the, the, the joys of um, a, a line item. But yes, thank you. And it's in a separate account. Yeah, yeah, it was. Thank you, Robin. You should be standing up here with me. You want to come up here? <laughs> Robin, by the way, Robin does a fabulous job of something that she doesn't love but is really good at. So it's the only way that I'm able to stand up here with good conscience is knowing that she and several others have helped us make sure. And, and John Jerzak, who helps oversee this, um, really grateful for them. Yes. The bucket has both ours and the Little Lighthouse Preschool's money going into it. It's one bucket. So, again, here's the thing about budgeting. If you were ever to, like, go, okay, somebody needs to work on budgets, it's me. Marge Menashe is ridiculous when it comes to budgeting. She is to the penny, and quite often Little Lighthouse brings in more than what they, what, what they budget because she is extremely um, conservative in her numbers. So, again, if you want to see those numbers, I'd be happy to show them. But just for our time's sake, we, we're just looking at our church numbers. Yes. Mm-hmm. We gave ten thousand yeah. dollars on Sunday. Is that does that go against the budget that you have allocated or is that over and beyond? Over and beyond. So how yeah. is that reflected in your budget? It is not reflected in the budget in that we didn't kind of say this is our money, now we're giving it out. We actually just gave it directly. But per our elders this year saying, you know, we need to have better and this was really John Jerzak saying we need to track that so that we can see exactly how much we gave. We will from here on out, if we ever do a Sunday, and we did a couple of them this year, where we said everything given and offering this this week will go directly to Lauren in Costa Rica. You guys gave $6,000. That's not reflected here. But from here on out, this year and beyond, we will reflect it in our giving and then reflect it in, in our missions so that we can track that better. That's great. Yeah. Another question I have on that is when you set up um, our external giving, yes. benevolence, mm-hmm. My goal is always to give more than 10%. I want to be generous. And so, you know, it's too easy to just say we give 10% and that's it. And we allocate it in this way. We look for ways to be generous above and beyond. If we could get to 14, 15%, I would be happy. We are tracking right now. If we add in the couple of weekend givings, I think we were closer to 14 or 15% this year. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Hefe, who are you pointing at? Mr. Bell, you can ring my bell. Okay. Yes, I'm a Capricorn. That's not it. That's awesome. But unfortunately, you just lost yourself a jewel from your crown. Don't tell people. That's all right. You can have one of Jeff's. Okay. Uh, Love you, dude. I love you. And thank you, Robert. Thank you so much for doing that. Um, For your first question, you want to know how many people are in the room kind of thing? Capacity. Capacity. The capacity is written right above Jeff's head, I believe. So is it some 450 people can fit in here. 
Yeah, but you would not be comfortable that way. Okay? <laughs> Clown car status. We're not going there. Um, good questions. Okay. Yeah, we're going there. I love you, darling. <laughs> Air hug. Okay. If you have more questions, please feel free to talk to me, talk to Robin, talk to Jeff. But at this point, just so that we can actually leave here at a reasonable time, I need to transition to the next thing that we're going to talk about, which is our elder nominees. This year, we have two men who, who have served faithfully in our church and are transitioning off. One is Tom Phipps, who has been raptured out of his seat. So he's not there right now, but here's Terry. Terry, stand up. You represent, this is Terry, Tom's wife. over holding your babies right now. I love that man. Yeah. So Tom is transitioning off and Terry. And then we also have John Jerzak and Kathy. Would you guys stand up for a moment? There's there's John Jerzak. I begged John when I, when I was coming on staff as the lead pastor, as I was making that transition, I begged him to come back on the elder board, much to his chagrin, solely to help me carry the budget and help me figure this out because this was not my strong suit. He has been wonderful in walking and holding my hand through this. He's transitioning off the elder board, but he will continue to operate as a deacon in holding my hand more because I really like, you know, holding his hand. So <laughs> there's that. Um, in their place, there are two men that we have nominated to eldership that you guys are going to get to speak into. So I would like Rich and Joyce Rapoli, as well as Bill and Kathy Nelson to come forward. The reason I'm having their wives come forward is although they, the two men are the ones who have been nominated to our elder board, we recognize that they're one flesh. And we don't ever say, hey, whatever conversation happens here, you cannot share with your spouse. We are expecting that they are praying through all of the decisions that we're making, that they're sharing with their spouses. I have learned in my own life that I trust my wife's discernment more than I trust my own discernment. I would imagine there are many men in here who would say exactly the same thing. And so they are here together because they help carry the weight together, although it is the husbands who are the ones who are on our elder board. With that, what are you doing down there? I came over here so you would be here. Please. Sorry. Love you guys. Okay, so Rich and Joyce Rapoli have been elders here. How many times have you been on the elder board? A lot. Okay. Rich and Joyce Rapoli, and then Bill and Kathy Nelson, who this will be his, it's his first time being nominated to the board. I would love for you to just briefly share who you are for those of you who don't, for those who don't know you, um, and just share us a little bit about you. It's turned on. Okay. Um, Joyce and I have been here 20 years. I was talking with Tim Bundy yesterday, and he reminded me that we merged with First Baptist. Uh, from Pacific Heights Church 20 years ago, uh, 1999. So we, we've been here a little while. We, we kind of feel like Merv in the back when we first came here. He was he was the old timer with some of the others. And You're now, starting to look like him more too. And now, we, I I used he's a to, handsome man. That was a compliment. I I used to like this guy. Um, so so we've been we've been here for a while. Uh, Joyce and I have been married going on 36 years. We've uh, raised our kids here. Uh, two of our grandkids we bring every Sunday. A lot of you guys know Wyatt and Emmy. Uh, some of you guys teach in, in the classes that, that uh, they belong to. Um, like he, like uh, Pastor alluded to, I've been an elder um, a number of times in this church. 
And, and I've been asked by people as uh, they're knowing guys were going off, hey, uh, do you have a desire to go back? And quite frankly, no, I don't have a desire. You know, this isn't something that I look forward to doing. Um, I put my faith and trust in the Lord. If the Lord puts it on the pastor's heart that he wants me on the elder board, then I'll be on the elder board. That's, that's the position I take. And my role as an elder, uh, I believe, is one to be a voice for you. Number one, because as an elder before, people would come up to me and some of the other guys and say, hey, we have a concern. How about this? What does this mean? We're able to not only answer the question, uh, but also if we don't know the answer, go back to the pastor and, and give him feedback, especially when there's concerns. And there has been in, in this church uh, with things. Um, the other thing I believe is I have a responsibility to, to protect this pastor, okay, to make sure that, that he's doing the right thing. Um, Sometimes and that, protecting him from himself. Protecting him from himself. Yeah, good, good point. Uh, and to provide, to provide good counsel and insight to things that, that he's suggesting. Mm -hmm. if, and I, I'm one of these guys that uh, if, if I feel that what's going on maybe isn't the right thing, that there's going to be a lot of pushback, it's my responsibility to, to tell him. Yeah. Uh, many of you know I, I retired from Los Angeles Police Department after 35 years, and I had a role that that's what I did, okay, in my leadership role. Um, so I'm not afraid to do that. It's just something that I think comes naturally to me, yeah. and, and that's what I do. So yeah. that, that's the commitment I give you. I'm going to be your voice. I'm going to make sure that this pastor is protected um, and that we all do the right thing for, for this church, which is God's church. That, that, that began to sound like that. The, I'm going to be your voice. That, I mean, that was, that's on a button right there, baby. Hey, you know, I will say this about Rich. The reason that I knew I needed Rich... Uh, this year, the reason why I specifically said, guys, I, I would really like to have Rich come back on is not because Rich agrees with me in everything. It's because he often disagrees with me in a lot of things, but the way he approaches it is both humble and strong. He's not the kind of person. I'm not looking for yes men who will just agree. I'm looking for people who will sharpen and push back. And we make a commitment that any decisions we make as an elder board are in unanimity. So we... It forces us to work through disagreements before we move forward. So I am grateful for his willingness to say yes to this. Now, Joyce, did you have anything you would like to add? Because I'd love you. And honestly, I'd love to hear from you again. He talks. Yeah, he does talk. You're right. He said it all. I support him. But I'm so grateful you're the neck and that you turn the head wherever it needs to go. I love you. Okay, come on over here. Come on over here. Bill, Kathy. You're relatively new to our church, and I know that you have nothing going on in life right now. <laughs> and when I first asked you, would you be willing to come on the elder board, you just both kind of went, uh, yeah, I love adding new things. Why? That's not what I said. Yeah, it wasn't at all. <laughs> Why is it that you said yes, but also just tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, okay. I did it because she made me. Mm -hmm. Good. <laughs> I love you, Kathy. <laughs> I'm going to get in so much trouble. For you, you live in a perpetual state of grace. Yeah, it just happens. Um, well, basically, Kathy and I, uh, we've been in the ministry um, since the 80s. We're going on 39 years this July and being married. We have three daughters and three grandchildren who love me the most. So <laughs> it's, I'm going to get in a lot of trouble today, I would tell you. But we, when we came to, to Lighthouse mm, almost two years ago, we were, 
hiding back there in the corner really good for about four to five months. And we did well, and we we just loved the feel. And you all made us feel very special. You always did every week. You you met us and talked with us. You know, now Tom Phipps is a little weird, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. I can't even talk about him because he's not here. Yeah, sorry, sorry. But, um, and what we felt was this was a family church. If For those of you that are new here, you're not going to find a better group of people to be with. They're not perfect. Well, I mean, you know, obviously definitely not the leader, but <laughs> we, we do know we have solid Bible teaching, but more than that, it's the kindness and the love of all of you that have made it so that we are here. Um, began serving in the church, different ministries and people are finding out what I do much to my own trying to hide benefit. it, but God, yeah. that's it. Benefit. Yeah. Our benefit. Randy, he's, we mobilized you. We got you out of them. your deck. Yeah. Today. Thank you. So we, as we started feeling the love and stuff, we started getting more involved. And the more involved we got, the more we got to know a lot of you. And and the thing that Rich said was so true of being an elder. Yes, I'm a little busy, um, run a small little ministry and, and other things that we do for the city and things. But the most important thing is that if God is calling you, missional pathway, please consider doing this. Stay with us in here. Because Missional Pathway is going to help you to understand what God really wants you to do. And when Eric asked Kathy and I to, to consider doing this, and yes, it really is a couple's thing when you're, you're asked to be an elder, part of the elder team. Rich really took it. So that we're, we're not just your voice, but also have to watch pastor. We have to ask you, our pastors and their families, please pray for them every day. Guys, there's an enemy out there that's on the prowl trying to destroy family life and church life. And more than anything else, he would love to see him fail, Pastor Jeff fail, all of us fail. But we got to stop that. We have to stand up and say, no, God's going to do this. So the reason we said yes, if God, much like what Rich said, if God put it on the pastor's heart to call us, we considered a long time. And I, I purposefully didn't tell him I would do it for quite a while. It was fun just watching him squirm. But we... um by the second or third day after, I just kind of knew that God was asking us to do this. What that means for us all is that we're going to work together. Um, we're going to try to understand what it means to be loving each other and loving our neighbors mm-hmm. even better. Um, the board of elders you have, these are men of wisdom. I sit in awe as I listen to them talk. Men, if you're going to be at the men's breakfast, you want to be with some wise men of God. These guys are incredible. I just sit and listen to them all the time because they're amazing. So we just need to pray for our church, pray for our pastor. Please pray for all of us who are, are on the elder board. If you vote me in, if you vote, no, I'll give you five bucks. But if <laughs> Randy made me say that, but anyway, we, we're going to say that if, if God calls us to service here, we're going to serve with you. As we do this, because love you all dearly, and you have have shown us more kindness than we even know. Yeah. So thank, thank you, you Kathy. Anything to add? Thank you. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so another thing: both of these men and, and are serving already in our church. These two have been leading a life group uh, full of influencers within our church for years. 
Bill serves not only with Fresh Beginnings Ministries, he and Kathy not only lead that in our community, serving for the city of Costa Mesa, but he's also become Pete's right-hand man, kind of helping with worship. He's also Don's right-hand man, helping support. So while Don is down in Costa Rica with Jill, um, doing missions there, he has kind of been holding up our ministry. So both of these men... Both of these men are carrying weight within our church already, and so it makes sense for them to be able to have a voice at the table also in the direction that we're going. With that, thank you very much. Thank you very much. You guys can go ahead and grab a seat. Uh, in your small sapling that we cut down and then handed you, yes. Oh, I'm sorry. You may absolutely ask a question. I'm sorry. Yeah, buddy. It's good. Good question. Um, actually, Kathy and I. Did I turn it this, off? Yeah, no, that's Surprise okay. Me. Um, Kathy and I started serving in churches. I started serving in churches um, in 1978. Uh, we were married in 1980. Uh, started out as a worship pastor. Well, it's actually started out as youth pastor. Then became a worship pastor. I went to seminary. I have two master's degrees, one in pastoral counseling and one in biblical studies. And then. Um, went to, um, we started serving in churches. We were 10 years in Nevada at churches there, um, been enrolled in different things. So my background basically is in the ministry, wherever God calls us to be. It seems that we're, we get called a lot to be part of churches, um, that are sometimes smaller, but like smaller even than this to help. But we've been serving in churches and in pastoral leadership for, for about 40 years. So you said 1978. A lot of years. You, Thank you. So here's what I love. You should never have said that because I was born in 1978. <laughs> that answer your question? Yes. That it, non-denominational is a denomination. So, all right, thank you. Okay, so for time's sake, because uh, we have some other things, one more thing I want to get to. Inside your bulletin, uh, there is this ballot here. Go ahead and pull it out. Some of you are thinking to yourself, all right, now, am I allowed to even fill this out? I haven't been to a 101 class and things like that. So here's what we have decided. You have been hearing over this last month what we're about as a church. Our purpose statement is to make disciples who love God, love one another, love their neighbor. We just talked about what it means to be a crew member. And if you can say yes to those three things, even if you're not currently doing it yet, maybe you not, have not joined a life group yet, but you're willing to join one. If you're, you may not be serving in some capacity, but you're willing to serve, whether here or beyond the walls of this place. If you can say yes to that, then you have a right to vote because you're a crew member. And all you need to do is sign your name to the top there and then give us your signature. And then beyond that, you have a right to vote. Just for those of you who, who you know, I do or do not affirm and propose the budget for 2019. I do or do not affirm Rich Rapoli as an elder. I do or do not affirm Bill Nelson as an elder. Go ahead and take a moment there. If you do not have one of these and need one, I believe that there's some in the back. Just raise your hand and we'll, oh, they're right here and we will make sure you get one. All right, take a couple minutes and do that. I just have five more minutes and then we're going to, we're going to have some response time. Very brief. Many of you have already seen this. 
Many of you have um, got one in the mail because we actually had your correct mailing address. Some of yours, we received them back, so we didn't have your right mailing address. Uh, but this is a, a capital campaign we're calling Lighthouse Restored. Last year, I mean, we, this is the reason why we're doing this. We are blessed with a building that I can't speak for you, but I did not purchase. I did not build. It's been here for about 70 years. It's in great shape for a 70-year-old. But as any 70-year-old can attest to, over time, it develops things that need to be addressed if you hope for it to continue to be useful. Right, Byron? Yeah, right, Byron. Say Jesus. He turned his hearing aids off. Um, Toward that end... We are in the process right now of caring for and rehabilitating our facility so that it will be useful, not only for ministry tomorrow, but for another seven decades. So last year of 2018, just to kind of brag on what my staff was able to get done, and this is mainly falling on Robin. She was the one who spearheaded a lot of this stuff. Jeff helped a tremendous amount as well. We were able to upgrade our electrical system. I know it doesn't look like it with the flickering today, but we were able to upgrade our electrical system from what was okay back in the 1950s to what we need today so that we can keep all these things running, so that we won't keep blowing breakers and all of that kind of stuff, and so that we can put in things like air conditioning, so that Don does not melt back there, Mr. Dickey. We, we did it for you. Um, the other thing that we, the other huge rock we were able to upgrade is that we had a heating system that is an entire room out there that was on its last legs. And we were told by our heating guy, Sven Svensson, how would you like that name? That's kind of fun, right? Sven told us, listen, this is the last time I am able to fix this. Next time you need to get a new heater. Okay. That was two years ago. We were lucky that we had heat last year. So this year, or 2018, one of the big rocks was getting a new heating system, which you see it's state-of-the-art. It draws less power than that did, and it also gives us air conditioning, and we can cool or heat this place in about 10 minutes. (laughs) Why did I know someone was going to ask that? You're totally right. We should have had it on. Part of it is so we don't all melt because it goes that quickly, and we, we oversaw, we did not turn it on before everybody showed up, and I apologize for that. But we have it. The other thing, the other really big rock we needed to address just so that it wouldn't dis- disintegrate was our parking lots. We needed to re-slurry them so that they will actually not just start falling apart with rain and driving on it because they get used a lot. We did restriping. We also were able to put out some uh, foliage around here so it didn't look like it was a prison yard. All of those things were infrastructure things that we felt were very, very important. And the best part of all of it is that we had an anonymous family in our church donate all of the funds to do all of those things I just told you about, plus some other stuff. Which means that not a single penny of our giving and offerings were taken for those things. Had we had to do it that way, I can assure you that we would have come to you and asked you if it was okay for us to use those funds. Okay, so thank you, God. He has been faithful to us, really above and beyond faithful. However, we have a couple of other things that we have recognized. There's always a but, right? That we have, there are a few other things that we've recognized are imperative for us to address as we move into the future, as we have more people, both young and old, coming to our church. If there is, I, I, I don't want to continue to watch Merv Grivey 
trying with his walker to navigate those front steps like this or to come up. And many of you are doing that. I don't want to watch a mother with a stroller pulling, pushing it up and then looking around for somebody to help her. You know, you know, Tarzi is tired of saying, would somebody help me just pick up my, my stroller and help me get in? And that's also with our preschool parents and things like that. We have a responsibility to make our church more available, more accessible, both for our aging as well as our new family population. And there's more of you. And so we're trying to make some adjustments. One of those is to put an ADA ramp up in the front so that when you come here, it will be a nice gradual incline that you can come in that way with some porticos. If you want to see what it looks like, you can just grab this and there is an artist rendering of what that would look like. Again, all of this artist rendering and all of the conceptual stuff was donated to our church. So I mean, this, even this is a gift for us to be able to see what it could look like. But this is what we are anticipating doing in the front of our church to update it, to make it safer so that we don't have to keep putting out mats when it rains and all that kind of stuff because of slipping hazards and all that kind of stuff. We are trying to take care of our church and take care of those who call Lighthouse home, both this current generation as well as those to come. Plus, I think that looks really, really good. And it looks like it's been like that forever. And I just can't wait to be able to see it this way. Once we do that, that will be phase two. Phase one was last year. You didn't pay anything for it. That was a gift to our church. Phase two, we're hoping to begin breaking ground on that July 1, but we need to raise the capital to do that because our commitment to you is we will not move forward with having it done if we don't have the funds in hand. That's not responsible. Um, Then phase three, once we're able to complete that, if the funds become available, we have some updates we'd like to make inside here. First off, we'd like to be able to to address our lighting situation because these are heating lamps from McDonald's circa 1952. Um, there's some of that stuff. There are the, the same kind of tile that was out, outside is also in there. We want to address that and address that whole foyer so it's much more welcoming to people as they're coming in. We would like to get video not only for, you know, putting online so that people who, like the Barones, who continue to listen week after week. Hi, Greg. Hi, hi everybody. We love you guys. Um, so for them... And others who are no longer the Bruffs, who are in Hawaii, the Barones, who are out in Houston, and others who are part of our church but aren't able to be here on a Sunday so they can watch. But also we have the cove up there where a lot of nursing mothers go. We want to be able to give them video so that they can participate in our service without feeling like, you know, everybody's watching them. So all of that to say there's some things that we would like to do to help modernize our church and help prepare it for another 50, 60, 70 years of use. But that's going to require capital, and this is where you come in. I'm so grateful for the ways you guys have been very uh, generous and faithful in giving, and I'm asking for you to join us in, in helping not only continue ministry today, but to help give towards ministry for tomorrow, because I believe that the tithes and offerings you give, that's for ongoing ministry. What you give to the capital campaign is actually for future ministry. It's an investment in what God will do years from now. And we just get to help bless the future Lighthouse Community Church continue to do ministry in a facility that's even better than what we have inherited. Toward that end, go ahead and pull out the last thing in here, which is this commitment card. Go ahead and pull that out. Now, some of you... This is the first time you're seeing it. Some of you 
are, are, are here for the first time today and you're going, dude, this is a hard sell. What the heck? Please do not feel that this is for you. This is a family conversation and I am talking to the Family Lighthouse Community Church. Would you join me in helping to uh, revitalize our church for our future generation and for us because it will benefit us as well. Now, some of you, this is the first time you're seeing it and you're going, I want to think about, I do not want you to make a, a knee-jerk decision out of guilt in any way, shape, or form. So if you are feeling like, then please go ahead and hold on to this and pray about it, Okay. The last thing I want you to do is, is simply say, I'll do it because Eric's making me do it. I don't want that. But if you are on board with us, then I'm asking you to prayerfully consider giving towards the, the capital campaign so we can revitalize our church and continue to make it welcoming to more of our community. Now, on the back of it is the pledge giving chart. If you want to know, like you can either give a one lump sum one time or you can give spread out throughout the year. And if you want to know, well, if I were to give... $100, and over the course of the year, that would be $1,200 that you could give towards that. Uh, in your packet, we have broken down in, in this, on the very back, we've shown how many gifts we would need, some very large, and there's only a few of them, and some very small, and there's a lot more of them that we will need in order to reach our target of $250,000 to do all of those things. I can assure you that we will be very intentional with that funding, that we will be very transparent with that funding, and that we will get the very best deal with that funding as opposed to simply being flippant because you've given it to us. To see how far Robin was able to stretch the money that was given us to do as much as we did this year is astounding. It was a lot of woman power and it got done and I'm so grateful for it. So there's that. And I'm going to give you a few moments. I'm going to have the, the worship team come forward and we're going to respond I'm going to give you some space to consider this. Again, if you are just like, man, I feel like if I did it right now, I would not be doing it um, with a whole heart. I would be doing it because I'm feeling cajoled. Then please hold off until you're ready. But would you pr prayerfully consider joining us in that? In a few moments, in about two minutes, we're going to have our ushers come forward. can help you with that. Just indicate that on here and we'll make sure that you get communicated with. But now let's just, let's just celebrate what God is doing in our community and, and celebrate what we don't even know he's going to do this year. Because he has been faithful to us and we're anticipating he's going to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. So Father God, I, I, I thank you that we're not walking alone, that you're walking with us. I'm so grateful for my brothers and sisters who are walking with us. I thank you for those that you have been adding to our numbers in the, in the last couple of months. And I thank you for those that we will get to come alongside in the coming years. Would you have your way with all of this? Be glorified, we pray, Jesus, in your holy name. Amen.